As a broadcaster, it'd be great to say you've done an NFL game, and maybe you did a St. Louis Rams game, just on the resume. Or what if you got to do Major League Baseball, called a Cardinals game in St. Louis? And then what if you had the chance to do NHL at a network level, called a Blues game? In fact, during a Stanley Cup run. How about the resume of this week's guest, Kenny Albert, Fox Sports, New York Rangers. But I'm positive, and I've brought this up, I believe, in the past with Kenny and said, you have to be the only person. This is something that somebody's going to have to research this. I'm positive he's the only one that has done a Rams NFL game, a Cardinals baseball game, and a Blues game at the network level. Kenny Albert has to be the answer to that trivia question. So all the great trivia nights around St. Louis, somebody add that one into the mix, because I'm positive he's the only one. Uh, Fun visit with Kenny Albert, who's been with Fox Sports since 1994. Great stories about the early days when Fox hired all the young guys to do football. Joe Buck, Kevin Harlan, Tom Brenneman, all in the room with Pat Summerall and John Madden. And it sounds like John Madden was a little skeptical of Fox at the time. But also Kenny growing up with his famous dad, Marv Albert. Uh, Dad walking around the house going, yes! I'm not sure that that actually took place. But Kenny was in St. Louis for a famous Cards-Mets game on Fox. A 20-inning game working side-by-side with Tim McCarver. So some career reflections with the guy who also called the first ever St. Louis Rams game. Remember the trip to Lambeau Field, 1995. First game ever. Isaac Bruce blocks the punt. Catches a touchdown. Rams beat the Packers and Brett Favre in their first ever St. Louis Rams game. And that was Kenny Albert on the call. One of the good guys in the business, too. Just a great guy to talk to. Loves hockey. Started at a really young age. Got the recorder. Was down at Madison Square Garden doing stats as a young kid. Just some great stories from the uh, Kenny Albert career. He is the focus of this week's Kill Coin Conversation. And we are, of course, available on iTunes, Spotify, Got to get that YouTube page up and running. You can always listen to the segments at scoopswithdannymac.com, but we appreciate you subscribing on iTunes and Spotify. That way, all of the segments are delivered directly to you. A lot of great feedback on the visit last week with Kenny and Rusty Wallace, the Wallace brothers side-by-side. A couple of weeks ago, it was Kevin Harlan. And all of our conversations are presented by our great sponsors, including Appliance Discounters, Appliance discounters, well aware of all the cannots that the other appliance guys are telling you when you're in need of that appliance and you need it right away. Well, appliance discounters want to make your life easier, offering a full in-stock 40,000-square-foot warehouse full of GE appliances. Times are difficult enough. Why wait two, three months for that appliance when you can get it in just a couple of days? Lowest price, GE rebates, great service, and in-stock only at Appliance Discounters. Shop any of their showrooms or go online at theappliancediscounters.com. As always, our savings are your savings. Also, Marine Develop Senior Living, located at the corner of Clayton and Weidman Road, Clayton and Weidman Road, that would be, in beautiful West County of St. Louis. Great campus there. They've got the Villa Estates, assisted living, every level of care that you're looking for in senior living. Take a virtual tour at Marie de Villa. And Triad Bank, the St. Louis-based bank since 2005, a St. Louis original, five-star rated bank for all of those banking needs, plus some friendly personal service. You just don't get that anymore at these huge chain banks where there's not even a teller left. It's all automated. 
not at Triad Bank, people there in the lobby, happy to greet you. And if you're a business owner, talk to Jim Regna, the CEO, perhaps about doing a little more business because they're based in St. Louis. All the decisions are also based right here in town. Triadbanking.com or in person in Frontenac on Clayton Road. Let's get to it. Our conversation with broadcaster Kenny Albert. Well, Kenny, I think I brought this up to you on the TV side once, but it has to be a trivia question. Has anyone else done Cardinals baseball, Rams football, and Blues hockey? Are are we pretty sure about this, that you're the only one that would have done that? That's a great question, Martin. Um, I very well could be. I certainly did a lot of Rams games during their years in St. Louis. Uh, Many, many Cardinals games as well, and of course the Blues, so... You'd have to go well into the archives, but uh, I guess I could be right at the top of that list. How about how about Mizzou? Have you ever done a Mizzou? I don't think of you with much college either. I could be wrong about that, but I'm going to guess you've never done a Mizzou football or basketball. Is that right? I have not. I did a Kansas football game uh, with Fox. We used to have some of the BCS package, so I worked at Kansas-Virginia Tech Orange Bowl at one point, but never worked a Mizzou game. Okay. Well, I'm putting that on your list then. For- now, how about this one? In college, I went to NYU, and we were in the University Athletic Association along with Wash U. So I did do a basketball game at Wash U back in the late 80s. Wow. See, the Kenny Albert St. Louis roots run deep going back to the – Absolutely. The in NYU. fact, during, during that trip uh, for the Wash U-NYU basketball game, it was the first and only time that I've ever gone to the top of the arch. Wow. So that was a memorable trip to St. Louis, for sure. You know, I read that – I think you said that baseball is the hardest to call. I would have guessed hockey just because of the pace and a lot of times because of the names involved. And this could be a Wikipedia mistake. You never know what you read online. But is that accurate, do you think, in terms of, like, which is the toughest? Uh, you know, I've been asked that question a lot, Martin. I think it's the most challenging of, of the four major sports for somebody who doesn't do 162 games a year. I've done hockey longer than any other sport. I started back in 1990 uh, with the Baltimore Skipjacks of the American Hockey League. So it's 31 years between AHL hockey and NHL hockey starting in 92. So people usually expect me to say that hockey is the most difficult, the hardest, the most challenging. To me, it's the easiest. I guess it's similar to riding a bike because I've done it for so long. And I think the pace is something that actually uh, leads to that becoming my answer. Um, especially on radio. I've done a lot of hockey on the radio, a lot of hockey on TV. And when you're calling a game on the radio and you have to be so descriptive, you get into the flow, into the rhythm, into that pace. And it's probably the sport that sounds the most exciting on the radio because of how fast it is. Um, Basketball is similar to hockey as far as in hockey, the puck's in action for the entire 60 minutes of the game. In basketball, the ball is in action for the entire 48 minutes. There are more whistles more stoppages in basketball. Football is the most rhythmic. It's one play and then it's 25 or 30 seconds. It's another play and then it's 25 or 30 seconds. Baseball to me, and I usually work about anywhere between 10 and 15 games a year. Uh, Didn't work any last year, obviously, due to the pandemic. And I was in the hockey bubble in Edmonton. Um, But to me, not doing a lot of baseball games every year, it's the most challenging because of all the downtime. And You have to uh, hope that you have a terrific analyst. And I was so fortunate to work, I think, 40 or 50 games throughout my career with Tim McCarver, who I consider the greatest of all time in the sport of baseball. And 
you never felt like there was going to be a situation that Tim hadn't seen before. Um, we worked, speaking of games that I worked in St. Louis, we did that 20 inning game back in 2010 between the Cardinals and the Mets. And that might be one of my claims to fame. I never left the booth to go to the men's room uh, for nearly seven hours during that game. It was nothing, nothing. I'm sure a lot of your viewers and listeners remember this. There was no score through 18 innings. And then the Mets scored a run in the top of the 19th. And when the Cardinals tied the game, I'll never forget, in the bottom of the 19th, I called the play, described the play, and I said, and the Cardinals have tied the game at one at the bottom of the 19th inning. And Tim said, of course they do. And then it went on to the 20th, and the Mets wound up winning that game 2-1. to one. Uh, I remember that game well because it was on Fox, and we were sitting at the station here in St. Louis waiting for it. I think we went from we were going to have a post-game show, and then it was, are we going to have a late newscast? Are we going to only have one newscast? It was, it was lengthy, to say the least. What, well, if I remember correctly, the game started around 3 in the afternoon, so it ended somewhere between 9 and 10. And I received texts from people watching uh, back in New York or elsewhere around the country. Some of them had left and gone out to dinner. And they came home and they thought the game was on replay at that point. They did not realize it was still live. And I also remember uh, when the game ended, a couple of us wanted to get something to eat. And the only place that was still open downtown was Mike Shannon. So we enjoyed a nice dinner. Well, Kenny, you mentioned that you were doing NHL hockey at a young age. But the network break, I guess, would have been around 94. You go to Fox. It's Joe Buck. It's yourself, Tom Brenneman. I think Kevin Harlan was part of that group. And Fox took over with the NFL, the NFC package. There's all these stories about how they called everybody in the room and said, never mention a dead guy. Maybe that was more of the baseball world where they said it was all nostalgia. But tell me about that that time. Did they gather all you guys, you know, famous last names, but did they have you all in the same room and say, here's our approach, here's the plan? Because clearly they were trying to go a little younger at that point. Well, those were such great times. And I think we were all shocked uh, when – when Fox acquired the rights to the NFC package from CBS late in 93. And then uh, we all auditioned in Los Angeles in March, 94. I remember meeting uh, Joe Buck for the first time at the pool at the hotel after we had done our auditions. Um, I did mine with James Lofton. And I think Joe was paired with uh, Tim Green, who we wound up working with that first season. Um, I was with Ron Pitts for that 94 season, but uh it was really a case of all of us being in the right place at the right time. Um, I had never imagined in my wildest dreams that at the age of 26, let alone 36 or 46, I would be working NFL football games on television. At that point, CBS and NBC had the national rights to the Sunday games and all of their play-by-play announcers were well-established in their thirties, forties, fifties had been doing it for many years. And the Fox executives, uh, David Hill and Ed Gorn and George Krieger at the time, uh, decided that they were going to hire two veteran groups, Pat Summerall and John Madden, Dick Stockton and Matt Millen, and then go with some young groups. And uh, myself, Joe, Tom Brenneman and Kevin Harlan were all hired. Kevin was a couple of years older than uh, the other, uh, the the rest of us. Uh, He had been doing Kansas City Chiefs games on the radio for about 10 years. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Tom was 28 or 29. I was 26. Joe was 25. And, uh, we were presented with this wonderful opportunity, just unbelievable. And I do remember, uh, when we were all together for meetings in the summer, uh, the first annual Fox seminar, and we've now all attended, uh, you know, met Joe and I have attended 27 of them. Um, John Madden at one point, uh, raised his hand in the room and he said to the executives up front, 
why does the logo say Fox Sports? We only have one sport. Shouldn't it be Fox Sport? And sure enough, in 95, Fox signed a deal with the NHL. In 96, Fox signed a deal with Major League Baseball. And then in later years, NASCAR and horse racing and college football and college basketball, uh, among many other sports. So, uh, you know, that was one of the early memories of, of John Madden uh, referring to the place as Fox Sport. Um, I, I do also remember the six play-by-play announcers, uh, Pat and Dick, Joe, myself, Tom, and Kevin uh, would all get together. They would have breakout sessions during these meetings, during the seminars. And the four of us would just sit there in silence. We were in awe. We couldn't believe we were in a room with Pat Summerall and Dick Stockton. And we would just listen to their stories and uh, listen to the advice. And they were both so wonderful as far as sharing advice and uh, making us feel like part of that group. Had you done NFL football or any football at that point? No NFL football. Um, I think it was the same uh, for both Joe and Tom and myself. We had not done any NFL football. I had done some Division Three college football in the New York area. I had been doing NHL hockey uh, for a couple of years at that point. I had filled in on some NBA and Major League Baseball games, but I had never done an NFL football game. Uh, college football around 1989 or 90 was the last football I had done. Uh, my first game uh, was an L.A. Rams game in 94 against uh, the Arizona Cardinals. It was Buddy Ryan's first game as Cardinals head coach. So it was the L.A. Rams season debut in 94. And then ironically, in 95, I worked the first ever St. Louis Rams game in the regular season. It was in Green Bay. Um, I think Isaac Bruce blocked a punt in that game. So that was the first St. Louis Rams game. I was there along with Anthony Munoz, who was my partner in 95. And then either in 96 or 97, I I would have to look it up. um, For one year, I was the preseason voice of the Rams along with Kellen Winslow Sr. We did the Rams preseason games uh, either in 96 or 97. It would have been on Fox, too, I'm sure, because we had the games for years. So I, I will look that up. My old boss, Spencer Koch, he will remember. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that Packer game. I was working in Madison, Wisconsin at the time, and I'm driving up, a couple hours drive, and Gary Bender is on the Packers radio network as a guest, and he's the Rams radio announcer. And he basically is telling Jim Irwin or whomever up there and said, well, you guys got a great team. You know, we're, we're going to just see where this thing hit. Like, there was no expectation the Rams would win that game. And you're right, Bruce blocks a punt. And Green Bay at that point we had Brett Favre, and they were ascending. So I think for the St. Louis fans, it was an absolute shocker that this team they got not only won that game, but won their first four games. Now, now if you give me a second, I'm going to slide out of the picture, but I will actually pull out my, my spotting board from that game. It's about wow. 10 feet to my left in a file cabinet. Go ahead. Yeah, this is. I'll do the live play-by-play of Kenny Albert, uh, Fox Sports, Rangers, Knicks, you name it. Obviously, he saves his boards because this is impressive. He's coming to us from the Kenny Albert Laird, I would say. We got an NHL for those on the podcast only, not on the TV side. We've got an NHL jersey prominent. Now, let me get this straight, Kenny. You've been saving all of these game notes, game cards, your your boards. For this many, my wife won't let me save like a Scott Rowland signed bat. This <laughs> is it ever a point of contention? Uh, not the boards because they're all uh, neatly filed away in this one file cabinet. There are other uh, things that I've saved that might become, uh, you know, a little bit of an issue down the road. But uh, this is the game that we refer to the first 
the first uh, St. Louis Rams game in 95 in Green Bay. My notes on head coach Rich Brooks. The coordinators were Jack Riley and Willie Shaw. Um, Mike Holmgren was the 47-year-old head coach of the Packers at the time. And uh, this would be this would be the Rams offense with Chris Miller and Mark Rippon and Dave Barr listed as the three quarterbacks. Uh, Leonard Russell, Jerome Bettis at the running back position. Uh, the wide receivers, Isaac Bruce, Todd Kinchin, Alexander Wright, Jesse Hester. Troy Drayton was the tight end. So there you have it, the uh, 1995 St. Louis Rams offense. And then the defense on the other side with Shane Conlon at middle linebacker, Sean Gilbert, Jimmy Jones, DeMarco Farr, Kevin Carter, uh, Todd Light in the secondary, Roman Pfeiffer. So uh, those are the notes from the Packers and Rams in 95. Brett Favre, of course, the starting quarterback for Green Bay. So it always brings back fun memories when I take some of this stuff out and look at it many years later. How good's your memory? Like, were, were, as a kid, did you memorize stats? I mean, have you always been good about that? It's pretty good, yeah. It's a lot of use, useless information up there, Yeah, for sure. We, we did some with Whitey Herzog recently, and he talks about games from 1952 like it was yesterday. And I said, how in the hell do you – he said, if it makes you feel any better, he goes, I can't find my car keys. And I <laughs> you know who else can do that? And there's a St. Louis tie. I had a great conversation with Scotty Bowman on the phone. Two years ago, it was during the Blues run to the Stanley Cup final. And a couple of historical uh, things had come up as far as this date in NHL history, this date in Blues history, during their uh, three consecutive trips to the final, their first three seasons in 68, 69, and 70. Uh, Pierre Maguire is very close with Scotty, so he arranged a phone call. And I'll never forget, I was in my hotel room in St. Louis on the phone with Scotty Bowman for a half hour, and he was recalling games, specific goals, post-game celebrations, penalties, like it was yesterday. And I had looked up some of the information beforehand, and he was right on. It was incredible. Uh, he's in his 80s now, but his memory, it, it was it was astonishing to me how much he was able to remember factually from those games 50 years prior. See, this is what you have to look forward to, Kenny. You're going to be 85. You're going to be somewhere out on Long Island, and you're going to be telling your wife how Isaac Bruce blocked a punt at Lambeau Field. <laughs> and then you'll say, where did it, I put it, the it's car? Already, it's already 26 years later, right? <laughs> in uh, fact, in fact, on the back – on the back of this folder, I kept track of the scoring plays. And sure enough, it says second quarter, uh, Miller, 23-yard touchdown pass to Bruce. And then right below, one play after the Bruce blocked punt. So he blocked a punt, and then he caught a touchdown on the next play. I did not remember that. <laughs> Is there a sport you've ever wanted to try? And again, these are Wikipedia facts. It said in 2009 – you did the four sports in four days. You had a Steelers-Vikings-NFL game. Then you were part of the Yankees-ALCS coverage. Then you had a Rangers hockey game followed by a Knicks basketball game. I'm assuming this is correct, which begs the question, is there a sport you haven't done you want to do? Well, that is correct. I was involved in four sports in four days uh, in 2009. I did not do the play-by-play -play for that baseball game. I handled the post-game interviews. There have been other times – in late September, early October in past years where I had four sports in the span of eight or nine days. That's happened on a couple of occasions. Um, I've also had the, the good fortune to work uh, six Olympics, five Winter Olympics on the hockey side. I worked track and field 
in uh, Rio in 2016. I've worked some boxing through the years. So I wouldn't really say there's a sport out there uh, that I haven't done that I'd like to. Um, back in the day when I was first starting out, I worked in Baltimore and Washington for five years. And I did some college lacrosse and college soccer. The one sport that I did back then, around 93 or 94, that I was assigned to, and I felt like I had no idea what I was watching or calling, uh, was college wrestling. I studied, I bought wrestling for dummies, I spoke to Olympic wrestlers, and fortunately I had a really good color analyst that day, because otherwise I'm not sure I could have gotten through it. We always joke with Joe Buck that he's the only guy who's called a Super Bowl and also bass fishing on right. Fox. I remember that. And then a Robbie Knievel jump. I, for whatever reason, I was assigned to cover this at Fox. We went out to Vegas. It was a lot of fun. And he was covering Robbie Knievel jumping over some limos in Fox on primetime. And I said, now that's a resume nobody's going to be able to top. No, nope, nobody will match that. I once did the public address at a dog show in Baltimore as well. That was back in the early 90s. So I have that on the resume too. So you grew up going to Madison Square Garden, right, with your dad? And, and there's the stories they gave you. Your parents gave you the recorder when you were, what, five or six? And five or six, yeah. And, and you would just sit in the stands and call the games? Well, initially for the first five or six years, uh, I would do it in my bedroom. I would set up the bedroom uh, like a television or radio studio. I would have the desk and then the bed in the middle, TV on the other side, and I would call games into the tape recorder. And uh, growing up with my father and my two uncles – uh, all play-by-play -play broadcasters, it felt like any birthdays, holiday celebrations when they were at our house, I felt like I was sitting at the table uh, at the first all-sports radio station in North America because they would just tell stories about the various teams and games and leagues and networks and colleagues, and I would just soak it all in. When I was about 13 or 14, I would start to take the recorder on occasion to Madison Square Garden or Shea Stadium and find sort of an empty area to sit. Uh, my first really, really big break was in high school. I had been doing a lot of writing for the town newspaper and for the school paper. I was the sports editor of the high school newspaper and also did a lot of broadcasting into my tape recorder, but nothing uh, professionally or on a real station at that time. When I was 15 in 10th grade, a local cable station, Cox Cable of Great Neck on Long Island, where I grew up. I've lived in New Jersey now for 20 years, so I'm two bridges away but I grew up on Long Island and Cox Cable came to the school to film a girls basketball game. And I was there to cover it for the school newspaper. They had two cameras, a small production van, uh, and they were going to film this game with no announcers, just natural sound. And the athletic director introduced me to the producer and I volunteered and he clipped a microphone onto my shirt. Uh, I announced the game girls basketball, 1984, and the people sitting around me probably thought I was crazy talking to myself if they didn't see the little microphone on my shirt. Um, I spoke to the producer uh, after the game, the late Roy Menton, who passed away a couple of years ago. And he said, we're going to be doing a lot of games all around Long Island, mostly high school, some division three college, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, lacrosse, soccer. If you want to do play by play, it's yours. They weren't paying anybody. It was just unbelievable experience. And I would bring friends along as the color analyst. And I had the opportunity for three years in high school to work, I would say, over 100 games in the various sports, after school, on weekends. And back then, it's different now, but back then, nobody my age was interested or had started to do play-by-play. -play. At that point, you would have to wait until college and potentially work at a college radio station. But 
I had three years of experience in so many different sports that uh, not a lot of people my age uh, would have had the ability to do at that point. So uh, getting hired by Cox Cable, and that actually led to the college football that I referenced earlier. I did some games for the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy and for Wagner College on Staten Island, uh, thanks to Roy Menton at Cox Cable, and then he moved over to Staten Island Cable. So I did a lot of football games during that time uh, at the Division Three college level, and those were the only football games until that uh, L.A. Rams game in 94. Wow. And how about growing up? We mentioned going to Madison Square Garden, but I, so we have this picture, right, of your dad's Marv Albert that you're walking around the house like, hey, Dad, are we going out to eat? Yes. Like, he, did, did he walk around the house saying yes, or <laughs> did that come years later? Not really. He, he was doing it on, on the air, you know, since before I was born, but never really in the house. Um, my older daughter, I have two daughters, uh, my older one who's 21, when she was young, uh, you know, we would tell her about the yes and she would hear it on, on some broadcasts. So jokingly, whenever she would see him, uh, she would start saying no, no, <laughs> to try, try to rackle his feathers a little bit. So that was pretty funny. But uh, no, it was great. I would tag along to MSG. And when I was old enough, around 15 or 16, I would start doing the stats for him at Rangers games. He was doing the radio at the time and then Knicks television games. And I also, a, a big part of my uh, learning experience as far as football in the NFL, for four years during college, I would, I would go with him uh, on occasion and keep stats for him at NFL games when he was working for NBC. So I would be in the booth. I would watch him do the open with his partner, whether it was Joe Namath or Bob Greasy or Paul McGuire or Ahmad Rashad uh, or, you know, a number of others who he worked with through the years. So that, that was a big learning experience, even though I wasn't broadcasting those games to be there in the booth and watch how everything worked. Um, the last time I, I tagged along and did stats for him, I was already broadcasting at the time. I had done two years of minor league hockey and I was already hired to work Washington Capitals games uh, in the, for the 92, 93 season, but it brought back a lot of memories watching the last dance documentary last summer, because I was with him along with Mike Fratello in Barcelona as the statistician, uh, for those games, the dream team, I had a front row seat. So, uh, I sort of came out of retirement as a statistician for those two weeks. The czar of the telestrator, you know, Bob, Bob, Bob Costas has told stories about your dad to me about the under like the humor that sort of just flies below the radar almost and bob you know in great detail will tell these stories as if they were yesterday and it was madison square garden and they just did like a bump shot coming out of the break and there's like a dog like a basset hound or something and it's got a cigarette hanging out of its mouth for whatever reason it's new york anything goes and they came back to the broadcast you know they're probably about to begin the the play of the game the action again and your dad said yes always disturbing when dogs take up smoking and then like the game went on and Bob was just saying like I think your dad's humor I mean most people know it I guess but slightly below the radar definitely and and he and Bob have a great relationship in fact uh I think they spoke pretty recently uh so they've they've kept in touch through the years and Bob you know the thing that always amazed me about Bob aside from his encyclopedic knowledge of sports and the unbelievable job that he does on uh, you know, whatever it is that, that he's working on at the time. You can meet Bob and not see him again for 10 years, and he will remember your name. And I've witnessed that on a number of occasions uh, where I've been in his company. So that's, uh, he's one of the only people that I've ever uh, been around that has the ability. Peyton Manning's another one, actually. I would put Peyton Manning in that same category. 
And since you mentioned this earlier, Kenny, the Blues Cup run, you've been around the NHL for a long time. You've been part of Stanley Cup coverage. Just give me an idea. And I know they didn't win it in St. Louis, but you were here throughout that run. Uh, did you get a sense of what it meant to this town? And, and there's a lot of droughts in sports and, you know, the Red Sox famously, but I think the Blues fan base had sort of become resigned that they just would never win one. And when that summer sort of happened, I think people were in genuine disbelief. It was so much fun to be a part of that uh, on the broadcast side. And I compared it to the prior two years when Nashville and Vegas made deep runs into the playoffs. Neither of those teams won the cup. The Blues did. But the atmosphere was similar in the three cities, three consecutive years in the Western Conference Final with the Nashville Predators, Vegas Golden Knights, and then the Blues. And I really love all of the uh, memories, the trips that I've taken to St. Louis through the years. It's two men to count, you know, whether for the St. Louis Rams games and then Cardinals games and, of course, Blues games uh, at least once a year coming in with the Rangers and then some national games for NBC. So it's a, it's a terrific city. It's a great sports town. I have so many friends who either live in St. Louis or used to live there at one point. Uh, Joe Micheletti is a longtime broadcast partner of mine and a great friend. And um, I've heard all of his stories about the days uh, playing for the Blues, coaching with the Blues, broadcasting with the Blues. Uh, John Davidson was there for many years, who was a colleague with the Rangers. Um, and then so many people with the Blues organization. Uh, you know, Mike Caruso, I've known for a long time. Uh, you know, the great folks in the, in the public relations department, uh, the trainers, the equipment managers around the locker room who you get to know. Uh, Craig Berube played for the Washington Capitals when I was doing their games back in, in the mid to late 90s, uh, early, early to mid 90s, I should say. So um, just so many great folks uh, associated with the Blues team, all of the broadcasters. Um, I've known John Kelly and Darren Pang forever, Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale. I did stats for John Kelly, believe it or not. When I was in college, he was filling in on Rangers radio in New York. So I was actually John Kelly's statistician for about 20 games one season back in the late 80s. So I was just so happy for all of them, uh, you know, aside from obviously the players and the coaches. But uh, I had the good fortune to broadcast the second round series against Dallas, uh, the conference final against San Jose on the TV side, and then uh, the Stanley Cup final with Joe Micheletti on Westwood One. So aside from the first round, I was there for each and every game the Blues played during that postseason. All right, so I lied. Final, final thought. How weird for you to be home because you travel so much. We're talking about all these different games and networks you've worked for. Does your family now kind of look around and say, Dad's home again? What do you do? It's got, it has to have been a little weird for you who travels seemingly nonstop to have been home so much. It's been such a strange time for all of us, Martin. And during uh, September through really late May, early June, almost every year, I'm constantly on the road, sometimes four or five days a week over 100 flights a year. Uh, when the pandemic hit, I was in Colorado with the Rangers. Uh, we flew home with the team. I think it was March 13th last year. And that was the start of 146 straight days at home. So, uh, you know, if you take any positives out of it, uh, the extended family time for a lot of us was something that I had never experienced before for that long of a period. Um, I think they were ready to get rid of me when it was time to go to the NHL bubble in Edmonton. Uh, on August 5th, and I was up in Canada for 37 days, which was a terrific experience as well. In the bubble, we felt so safe. We were tested every day. Uh, had the opportunity to call, I think, 34 NHL playoff games. 
often two in one day, sometimes three in one day, which is unprecedented. And now um, it's, I don't want to say it's back to normal because we're doing a lot of these games off monitors from studios during football. I was traveling during the 2020 season, but uh, there were so many protocols in place. Um, You had to rent your own car. You couldn't drive with anybody to the stadium. We did all of our production meetings with players and coaches on zoom. So we weren't going to practices, but uh, actually going to the stadium and calling the game on Sunday felt like normal, even though there weren't many fans around. Um, now during hockey and basketball, I'm in Madison square garden. I've done some hockey games on the road with NBC, but a lot of games from the studio in Stanford, Connecticut and the Rangers away games. And, uh, some of the Knicks away games, I work about 20 to 25 Knicks games per year. Um, those are out of the studio when the team's on the road. So that's certainly a different challenge calling games off monitors. And, um, you know, I think, before March of last year, if you told all of us that we'd be home for such a long period and then we'd be calling games off monitors and not traveling as much, uh, I would have thought you were crazy. But, uh, you know, hopefully you and all your viewers and listeners, everybody's healthy and staying safe and getting back to some semblance of normal. And uh, I haven't been in St. Louis uh, in over a year now, but hopefully uh, hopefully I'll have a trip coming up uh, pretty soon, hopefully during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Hey, Kenny, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Martin. Really appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that visit. Kenny really is one of the good guys in broadcasting. I've heard Joe Buck describe him as one of his best friends in the business. Um, they've been side-by-side at Fox since day one, since the hiring in 1994. Great stories there from over the years. A lot of St. Louis connections for Kenny. Got to get him on a Mizzou broadcast just to kind of complete the greater Missouri resume. Remember, you can find us at iTunes and Spotify, all the segments, also at scoopswithdannymack.com. A lot of great content by the Cardinals broadcaster Dan McLaughlin on his site. Our visits are presented by Appliance Discounters. Find them online at theappliancediscounters.com. Marie Davila Senior Living in West County in St. Louis. Find them at mariedevilla.com. That's M-A-R-I-D-E-V-I-L-L-A. MarieDevilla.com. Take that virtual tour today and find out more about the home for Red Shandings for so many years. And Red was also on the board, part of the ownership team at Marie DeVilla. And again, Triad Bank, longtime sponsor of all of the Killcoin conversations. They go back to our Tony talk and talking pucks with Bernie and Panger. Triad Bank has been with us since day one. Check them out at triadbanking.com or stop by the location on Clayton Road in Frontenac. That's it for the Kill Point Conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in.